0: Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. In John chapter 13, we are told that our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ was troubled in spirit. Oftentimes, we see God as distant or mechanical or detached or unemotional. Jesus Christ our Lord can certainly relate to our struggles and our sadness and our grief and our troubles, and he remains with us through all of them. Let's open our Bible now to John chapter 13 and look at the incredible love and mercy of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Well, good afternoon and welcome to another teaching. It is a Wednesday afternoon here in Texas and hopefully all are just loving on Jesus, spending time with Jesus. We say it over and over And over again, there's nothing in our lives that's more beneficial and more edifying, more edifying to us than spending time with Jesus, growing to know him, growing to know his love, growing to love and obey him. It's the uh, it's the greatest privilege of our lives. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I'm blessed. We have a whole studio was clean spotless by my uh, my big sister, Susan. Um, she, uh, she just does an amazing job and, uh, I'm just thankful to her. It's nice being in a a meticulous and clean studio. And what I mean is there's normal clean and then there's Susie clean, right? We're going to, we're going to patent a statement, call it Susie clean because it's so meticulous. There are no words. There are things you can clean in a place that I didn't even know got dirty, Right and that's how clean this place is right now. So thank you big sister. She's my big sister because she's actually older than me and as Paul said she was she was in Christ before I was. So she's my big sister spiritually and physically and uh and frankly she acts like it. So thank you Lord Jesus, thank you Susie. So today we're going to study John 13. We're going to continue on verse 21 to 30, we're gonna go ahead and read it and we will get rolling. Father, we do thank you for your word. We thank you for your mercy, your favor and goodness on our lives. We, we thank you for the holy scriptures, Father. We thank you that we have this Bible, the living word of God to feed our soul and feed our spirit. But Father, above all, we thank you for Jesus, our only Lord and Savior and Master and, and King. Lord Jesus, we thank you for becoming a human man for us, for living a perfect life for us, for dying a perfect, torturous death for us. And We thank you that you are alive and risen today and we worship you. Holy Spirit, we ask you to lead us and guide us now as we open your word. Give us eyes that see and ears that hear. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. All right, John 13, verses 21 to 30. After he had said this, Jesus was troubled in spirit and testified, I tell you the truth, one of you is going to betray me. His disciples stared at one another at a loss to know which of them he meant. One of them, the disciple whom Jesus loved, was reclining next to him. Simon Peter motioned to this disciple and said, ask him which one he means. Leaning back against Jesus, he asked him, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered, it is the one to whom I will give this piece of bread when I have dipped it in the dish. Then dipping the piece of bread, he gave it to Judas Iscariot, son of Simon. As soon as Judas took the bread, Satan entered into him. What you are about to do, do quickly, Jesus told him. But no one at the meal understood why Jesus said this to him. Since Judas had charge of the money, some thought Jesus was telling him to buy what was needed for the feast or to give something to the poor. As soon as Judas had taken the bread, he went out and it was night. Wow. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Heavy, you know, just really heavy scriptures in John 13. Um, Verse 21 says, After he had said this, Jesus was troubled in spirit and testified, I tell you the truth, one of you is going to betray me. It says that Jesus was troubled in spirit. You know, sometimes, you know, we can get this view of God, you know, like he's just mechanical, like he doesn't, you know, feel anything, like he's not, like he doesn't understand our difficulties or our troubles or you know, he can't relate to us. Jesus is God. And it says here, you know, Jesus was troubled in spirit. Now, he's not troubled about himself. He's not troubled about the work of dying for the sins of the world. He actually came into the world for the entire purpose to give his life on behalf of humanity. Um but he's troubled here in spirit. He's troubled about Judas because he loves Judas. And he's troubled that, that in, in Judas betraying him, Judas is going to condemn himself. He's troubled that Judas is not a genuine believer. And today, wherever you are in the world, if you're not a believer in Jesus Christ, that is troubling to our father. It's troubling to Jesus. It's troubling to the Holy Spirit. 1 Timothy 2.4 says that it's God's will all men be saved. That means all humanity. God desires every man and every woman in the world today to be saved. 2 Peter 3.9 says that it's his will that no one perish. Without Jesus Christ, any human being will perish in eternal hell, separated from the triune God. And that's not his will. So if you don't know him today, he's troubled. Jesus gave his life for you and for me. He lived a perfect life for you and for me. And he did that because we needed it. It's only in Jesus Christ that we can have our sins forgiven. It's only in Jesus Christ that we can escape spending eternity in hell. It's only in Jesus Christ that we come into spiritual life and newness of life. It's only in Jesus Christ that God the Father becomes our Heavenly Father. Jesus Christ becomes our Lord and Savior and Master and King. The Holy Spirit becomes our guide, our counselor, our comforter. It's only in Jesus Christ that we have relationship with each member of the triune God. So have you given your life to Jesus today? We say this almost every teaching. Romans ten thirteen declares that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It's not our words that save us. It's Jesus Christ that saves us. But, you know, we communicate to the Lord. We communicate our heart with our words, right? Have you come before Jesus? Have you humbled yourself before him? Have you confessed your desperate and hopeless need of him? Have you confessed that you're hopeless and desperate without him? and that you desperately need him. And out of that humility, you simply call on Jesus. You simply reach out to him and confess in prayer, Lord Jesus, I I know that I'm a sinful person and, and that I cannot save myself. I do confess that I'm hopeless, I'm helpless, I'm desperate, Lord. But I believe, Lord Jesus, that you are the son of God. I believe that you came into the world and lived a perfect life for me, and died a perfect death for me, and I believe that you are alive and risen today. And therefore, Lord Jesus, I ask you now to come into my heart, to be the Lord of my life, to save me from my sin, and to bring me to heaven when I die. Lord Jesus, I place all my faith and trust and hope and confidence in you alone to save me and to be my everlasting Lord and God. That's how you become a Christian. Now I want to say again, it's not those words, right? Use the words, but it's the, it's the sincerity and genuineness of your heart and my heart that matters to God. And that's how you give your life to Jesus Christ. John 1.12 says that to all who received him, Jesus, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And just as Jesus was troubled over Judas and and the peril of his soul, he's troubled over all who have not given their lives to him this day. Again, 1 Timothy 2, 4, it's God's will, all men be saved. 2 Peter 3, 9, it's God's will, no man perish. And that's why the provision's been made for us in the Son of God, Jesus Christ our Lord. So give your life to Jesus today if you haven't. Jesus was troubled in spirit and testified, I tell you the truth, one of you is going to betray me. So again, we see that he knows. He knows before it happens. He knows that Judas is going to betray him. And he has loved Judas. He washed Judas' feet at the beginning of this chapter, knowing that Judas wasn't a believer and knowing that Judas would betray him so again we see a love here that's so overwhelming there's no words for it it would have been Jesus's heart it was Jesus's heart that Judas would have repented that Judas would have believed but he knows that won't happen and he knows Judas will betray him and he knows Judas will perish and again Judas doesn't perish. Understand this, and this is important. Judas doesn't perish because he betrayed Jesus. All of us, every sin is at some level of betrayal of Jesus. Obviously, this is substantially worse. Judas actually, you know, turns Jesus over. He betrays Jesus in a, in a in an incomprehensible way. But that's not why Judas goes to hell. No one goes to hell for anything they've done wrong. We go to hell because we have not given our lives and trusted in Jesus Christ. We go to hell because we're not relying on Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of our sins and the salvation of our soul. That's why Judas is not saved. It's not because of what he's done here. What he does what he does here because he's not saved. So that's why we talk about it over and over. It's only in Jesus Christ. That we have any life, any understanding, any meaning in any way. Verse 22 His disciples stared at one another at a loss to know which of them he meant. They, they didn't, you know, if you recall, uh, you know, it, it might be Matthew 26 where, you know, you know where, where they all asked the Lord, Is it me? 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 They, they, they have this understanding to their credit. The other 11 disciples have no idea what he's saying. Judas knows. Judas has already made the arrangements to betray Jesus. It's been premeditated. Judas knows what he's doing. But it says here, his disciples stared at one another at a loss to know which of them he met. And, you know, Judas had already made plans to betray Jesus, but all the other ones just it's incomprehensible to them. And they're basically saying, you know, would I do such a thing? Am I gonna do it? Am I gonna do it? Because, you know, in their minds, they, they have no plan. They, they they love him. But Judas has made a meticulous plan to betray Jesus. And you know, it says they were at a loss, right? They were just they, they could not comprehend that someone at that table would betray him. Verse 23 says, One of them, the disciple whom Jesus loved, was reclining next to him. The disciple whom Jesus loved is the Apostle John, who penned this book. He's the author of the book of John. He also wrote 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. and He also wrote the book of Revelation. Uh, the Apostle John wrote five of the 27 books of the New Testament. Um, the only one to write more is the Apostle Paul, who wrote 13 books of the New Testament. He wrote half the New Testament. Um, but he doesn't use his own name. And this incredible picture of humility, that's an example to all of us. And, 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 you know, one of the biggest issues we have as ministers, John is an apostle. When he writes this book, he's probably in his mid 80s. This is some 50, 60 years after the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And yet he still doesn't use his own name. He uses everyone else's name meticulously, but he doesn't use his own name. It's just a sign of humility that he doesn't need to mention himself. And what he renamed himself, Susie, is he renamed himself the disciple whom Jesus loved. Remember, he's writing this, and in verse 23 he writes, one of them the disciple whom Jesus loved was reclining next to him. So John doesn't use his own name, but he, he refers to himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved. Every single one of us in the world today ought to rename ourselves. We ought to stop naming ourselves Scott or Pop or Damon or Susan or Landon or Halligan, or Crosby, or Gabriel, or Madison, or Olivia. We ought to stop naming ourselves all these names, and you ought to change your name to the disciple whom Jesus loved. Do you know Jesus so deeply and intimately that you could say you are the one that Jesus loved? You are the disciple that Jesus loved. Do you know him that deeply and that intimately that you don't even know your own name no more. Matter of fact, every one of us needs to just stop using our own name and we need to introduce ourselves, Stephen, as the one that Jesus loved. Hi, how are you? My name's Mark. How you doing? I'm the disciple that Jesus loved. We'd be better off, right? Um, Knowing the love of Jesus Christ is obviously an essential, integral part of biblical Christianity. To know God is to know the love of Jesus. And it's only in knowing the love of Jesus, May, that we can walk in the love of Jesus, that we can talk in the love of Jesus, that we can give in the love of Jesus, and that we can forgive in the love of Jesus. Verse 24, Simon Peter motioned to this disciple, the one whom Jesus loved. Now remember, Jesus loves us all, right? Um, You know, God does not show favoritism, Romans 2.11. Uh, John 3.16, for God so loved the world, right? But the love of Jesus was so tangible to John that he just called himself the disciple whom Jesus loved. But he loves you and he loves me in that same way. But that needs to become our identity. That was the identity of this apostle. Simon Peter motioned to this disciple and said, ask him which one he means. So they're all around the, the table. This is the Last Supper, right? That Jesus is eating with the disciples. And, you know, um, you know, Peter motions to John because John is right next to him to, to ask him who he's talking about. Verse 25, leaning back against Jesus, he asked him, Lord, who is it? Verse 26, Jesus answered, It is the one to whom I will give this piece of bread when I have dipped it in the dish. Then dipping the piece of bread, he gave it to Judas Iscariot, son of Simon. Jesus isn't announcing this to the twelve. And when I was studying this, you know, it you know, it became clear to me from the different scholars. That Jesus doesn't say this loud. Jesus says this privately to John. It is the one John asks him. John's leaning back against Jesus. And Jesus says it only so John can hear it. And we know that because if he had said it loud, undoubtedly Peter would have stopped Judas. Peter would have not let Judas do this. And that's not something I had seen. I I, I gleaned that when I was studying this. Like I said, the scholars mentioned this point. I thought it was a really good point. So John privately asked Jesus. Jesus tells John, it is the one to to whom I will give this piece of bread when I have dipped it in the dish. Now, by the way, this was an extremely loving act. To take a piece of bread, to dip it in a dish, and to hand it to someone was an extreme act of caring and love, and thoughtfulness, and this desire. And Judas could have repented at that point. And Jesus would have even hoped him to repent, or to refuse the bread, or to say, Lord, I'm not worthy. I'm not going to betray you. I don't want to betray you. I confess this is what I've done. I've taken money. What do I need to do? Judas should have repented there. If Judas would have repented there the Lord would have received it. And the reason that's important is it does not matter. You could have done the most horrific things in the world. There is nothing in the history of the world. You could think of the worst thing anyone's ever done ever. Think of the worst people. Think of what, you know, Hitler, right? Or whoever you can think of that has carried out the worst atrocities ever. But there's nothing worse than betraying God, the Son of God, who's loved you and gave his life for you and turned him over as a criminal. And the point in saying all that is Judas could have repented. So, that no matter what you've done anywhere in the world or what I've done, no matter what any of us have done, it is the heart of the Lord that we will repent, that we will come before him and say, Lord, I'm a sinful man, I'm a sinful woman. I confess that I've done wrong, and I ask you to forgive me and cleanse me, and I give my life to you to do do unto me and do with me as you please. And even as believers in Jesus Christ, whatever we've done, repentance is the greatest tool in our toolbox. We just humble ourselves before him and admit it. To confess our sin, right? 1 John 1.9, if we confess our sin, he's Faithful and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. When we confess our sin, it's, it's a freedom that comes to us. We, you know, there's a freedom in that he's, you know, he cleanses us of unrighteousness. And we don't, when, when, when we repent and confess our sin, the Lord still will discipline us. But the discipline will not be near as severe if we will come and confess our sin. And if you're a parent today, certainly you can recognize this. If if your son comes before you and says, Mom, I'm sorry. I want you to know that I did this. I did this wrong, and I confess it, and I'm sorry. You still may may discipline him, but it's not going to be nothing the same as if he didn't come to you or she didn't come to you with that earnest repentance. And it's the same with our Lord today. So no matter, no matter what you've done today, there is nothing you can do that can keep you from the love of Christ. Jesus hands Judas this piece of bread. And like I said, it would have been better if Judas was so convicted that he didn't take it. Because again, Jesus in handing Judas that bread is handing him his love and his mercy. Then dipping the piece of bread, he gave it to Judas Iscariot, son of Simon. Now, Judas, unfortunately, doesn't reject it. And this was his last chance. Eddie made a point in Bible study yesterday, death by a thousand cuts, right? That's a saying. Judas just didn't happen into this. This had been planned in Judas's heart for years. He had made hundreds of decisions leading up to this. And verse 27 says, As soon as Judas took the bread, Satan entered into him. Satan cannot enter into you unless you give him access. And by one decision and another and another and another, in hundreds, if not thousands of decisions, culminating in him taking that bread from Jesus in utter betrayal, was the final act that opened his soul. And gave access to the devil. So again, the devil has no access to you or to me or to anyone unless we give him access. Now the sure way to know he'll never have access to you is that if Jesus Christ is living in you. But Jesus Christ is not living in you if you have not received him. John 1.12, to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. The end of 1 John 1, chapter 5, says that if you're not in Jesus Christ, you're under the control of the devil. It says that we know that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. In John 8, you know, Jesus says that, you know, he tells these these religious people that the devil is their father. So again, if you haven't given your life to Jesus today, the way to avoid the oppression and even possession of spiritual enemies is to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Because when you do, Jesus comes to live in you and no enemy, no demon, no devil can live inside you when Jesus is inside you. As soon as Judas took the bread, Satan entered into him. What you are about to do, do quickly, Jesus told him. Now that Judas has made the decision, now that Judas is not going to repent, Jesus says, do it quickly. He commands him, let's get this done with. Judas is going to betray him. Go immediately and do it, Jesus tells him. And now Judas is resigned to his fate. What you're about to do, do quickly. Now that there's no no way to spare Judas, he tells him to get it done. And it would appear here he's commanding Judas and Satan. And Jesus will be crucified within 24 hours. It's interesting. In John 13, you have nine chapters left in John referring that, that apply to the last 24 hours of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. Verse 28, but no one at the meal understood why Jesus said this to him. It was so incomprehensible that someone would betray Jesus, you know, that they don't understand what he's saying, what you're about to do, do quickly. Now, remember, I said that Jesus only whispered to John. You know, he didn't say it aloud because otherwise it would have made sense, right? Um, You know, Jesus says in all their hearing, I tell you the truth, one of you will betray me. But remember, it's only John who leans back to him, and Jesus shares it with John. And so that's an explanation for why it says, but no one at the meal understood why Jesus said this to him. Again, if they had, they undoubtedly would have stopped Judas, right? Verse 29, since Judas had charge of the money, some thought Jesus was telling him to buy what was needed for the feast or to give something to the poor. And again... Um, and, and, and again, we would not have been different because uh, imagine someone that, that they have walked with Judas for three and a half years. They have lived with Judas for three and a half years and they had no idea that, you know, that, that, that he was, he was not a real disciple or a real apostle, a real apostle. They had no idea that, that he was disingenuine and, and that he was the betrayer. They couldn't conceive of it. and So they actually think that, you know, since Judas had charge of the money, some thought Jesus was telling him to buy what was needed for the feast or to give something to the poor. As soon as Judas had taken the bread, he went out. And it was night. Um, very sobering passages. Um, I'll say again, all of us. Have made mistakes. All sin is at some level a betrayal of God, right? Um, but this is obviously a premeditated. What Judas did was a a premeditated, you know, over years he made these choices. Over years he was disingenuous, he was insincere, he was pretentious, you know. Um, and, and I'll say again. You know, for those out there who, you know, who you know and you're convicted over times where you haven't been genuine to Jesus, that's a good thing because that conviction will drive you to repentance. You know, as I said again, just just ask Jesus to have mercy. And if you confess to Jesus your failures, again, this has nothing to do with your salvation. You're going to go to heaven by your belief in Jesus as the Son of God and trusting Him. And relying on him and clinging to him for the forgiveness of your sins and the salvation of your soul. But as a believer, you know, in Jesus today, whatever you've done wrong, just go go before Jesus and confess your sin. And, you know, just humble yourself. and, And he will forgive you. He will forgive you. Father, we do thank you for your word. We thank you for your mercy, your favor, your goodness and your your love in our lives, Father. Father, we thank you for um just for just for convicting us. We thank you for allowing us to repent where we have failed. Father, as always, we thank you for Jesus, our Lord and Savior and Master and God. Lord Jesus, we We thank you for your mercy on our lives. We thank you for your love. We thank you that you never leave us or forsake us. Lord, we thank you for allowing yourself to be betrayed, that we might be forgiven of our sin and have relationship with you and go to heaven when we die. Holy Spirit, we ask you to seal the message to our hearts now. We love you and we bless you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.